eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. There's no place to escape to. This is the last oh, On the left. <laughs> That's when the cannibalism started. Man, oh man, have you guys seen Channel Zero on Sci-Fi? Have I talked about this a lot? I- yes, you have. It's such a good show. It's cheesy, yeah. but it's such a good show. Well, I just finished um, Evil Genius, and I already Whoa. ruined the end for Marcus, this and he's very mad at me. Almost immediately. All right, welcome to the yes. last podcast on the left, everyone. I am Ben Kissel with Marcus Parks, the infuriated Marcus Parks. I'm turning my butt hurt to seven. I'm turning it up. <laughs> yeah, I heard it. I heard it squeak open, and you already had your butt hurt turned up to a fucking ten last week with your colonoscopy. Oh, my goodness. And Henry Zabrowski over there in beautiful Los Angeles. My butthole is intact. Perfect. Sort of. Yeah, it's fine. Have I told everyone about my process where I have a yes. scale next to the toilet? Oh, okay, good. Wait, actually, no. But oh, no, that's thought you're talking about the shaving or the the clipping. Why do you have a scale? Ne- you okay? Hold on. It's because you you I weigh know. yourself before and then after you go to the bathroom. Yes. Okay. Thank you very much. All right, everyone. We have a fun. Uh, we have a special episode. We haven't done one of these in. It's, I feel like it's been two years or something. It's been about eight it's, months. Eight months. It's two been. years. What's the difference? You know. I want to say it was June of last year. Yeah. So a year. Huh. All right. We'll split the difference. Wow. We're gonna do a creepy pasta episode. And my goodness, those creepy. The internet's been keeping them coming. Uh, <laughs> they are. Thank you. It's yeah, full correct. of them. <laughs> Kissel, you read these on a regular basis. You you tread these waters all the time. I very rarely dip in, only just because um they're not as scary anymore, and they're becoming yeah. way more um they're they're for they're for the children. Mm, right, bit. right. Yes, I have been demonized, criticized for my reading <laughs> skills. Uh, however, that's part of the character. And if you want to listen to me read more creepypastas, go to our Patreon. I think give a buck or five bucks and you can listen to me read a bunch of stuff there. It's a lot of fun. And uh, I do a pretty spooky tale, if I do say so myself. Yeah, you like to be scary. <laughs> yes, I like to read them scary, but I, it's hard to do, though. How does your family feel about just how scary you are? Like as my, my family is proud of me. I paid off my student loan debt. It was the first time my father ever said those words. I'm proud of you. And he was like, I'm proud <laughs> Yeah, it was weird to hear. <laughs> All right, so before we start this, though, there's a fucking ceremony, Kissel. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. I forgot. All right, so um, if you're babysitting a child, turn off the episode. Good. Okay, That's because good. Because you shouldn't be doing this if you have a child. 
put the child to sleep. You know what's like a really good, easy way to do to sleep? What my mom used to do when I was too much as a little boy, um, hmm. she'd just give me Benadryl and I'd go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah which I think is what really uh, Casey, Casey Anthony, Anthony did with Yanny yes. or Laurel the Nanny. Which did you hear? Which did I heard, kill, kill, kill. Get the gun. <laughs> shoot, 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 shoot. <laughs> Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, so if there's a child there, knock them out so they can't see what you do. Um, first of all, if you got a tight little shirt on, get one of those, like, nail clip and scissors and cut the very bottom of it and rip it slowly up and just reveal, reveal your body to yourself. Have you ever done that? I don't. We're doing research. By the time you hear this, you will have heard our story of, uh, Mr. Nilsson. And so very much so like Mr. Nilsson did. You I sit, don't you think that you should with do your that. Pink nipples. You, if your nipples are pink, if your nipples are brown, if you've got ghost nipples, if you got um, big old long droopy child rearing nipples, play with them a little bit just to be like, I'm alive, I'm here, I'm present. But well, right, you don't have to day, do that. You every day's a gift. Uh, well, that's true. <laughs> that's that's why true. they call it the present. And then I want you to go. First of all, if you've got any CBD cream, you can add that to it. Start with the feet. Work it up to the ankles. Get yourself good and numb. Then you put it on the top of your back and on your chest so you smell like an old man, but you feel like a fucking wizard. Then go, what I've been doing now, i got some CBD pills that I'll pop or CBD cookies. Get yourself some 15 milligrams. Those are the ones that are really level you out like like you don't exist anymore. Microdosing. yeah, dude, microdosing does help some. Okay, and then go and fucking get get some of that fucking pesto, man. Get some of that because mm. now it's just like it's all like brown rocks. It sort of looks like crack, but does I think you might be we, doing dark? Uh, I think you might be doing heroin. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just brown. Get that brown nug. Get some. I got some new granddaddy perp that somebody sent me, and it's really fucking purple. It's big fucking like little eyeballs that go in that fucking troll doll and pop in the fucking <laughs> top of your fucking pipe. And because that's the only way that you could properly be scared. I want you to be scared just by the fact. I want you to be so high, but by the time that you listen to this, you're scared that you're listening to voices. Oh, that's <laughs> that good. You forgot that well, you were doing a podcast. So yeah. you're, you're going with a pipe for this uh, for this session of creepypasta, not a large uh, hog's leg of a joint, huh? You know what? Sometimes a pipe is nice, because then with the joint, sometimes when you're smoking alone, you waste a bunch of weed. Mm. Sure. That's a good point. All right. It's about <laughs> it's about preservation. Conservation. 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 <laughs> there it is. All right. Who wants to start? Who's, who wants to go first here? I say, Kissel, you go first with your fucking struggle. All right. Ass. I'll go first. Now, this one, it's interesting. Now, this is the first ever creepypasta about Jason Voorhees. Oh. Uh, my personal, How do you know this? Because it literally says, first ever creepypasta, Jason Voorhees. So you're just going to believe whatever the internet says. Rube, Uber Robin Nova? Yeah. I think okay. I'll believe her. Um, so Jason Voorhees, my personal favorite. Who doesn't relate to a boy who got picked on at summer camp and was left to drown and then came back to haunt that summer camp later? He really lives the dream of every boy or girl who was bullied in the past. Yes. You got to yeah, respect by, Jason By Voorhees. murdering everyone? Well, people who murdered him or at least let him die. You're right. Okay. So now this one has a lot of dialogue. So it's going to be called what I it will be what I call a waking nightmare. Okay. Uh, are you, to do. Are you going to do voices? I will not be doing voices. 
Then how will we know who's going to be talking and what I, characters are it speaking? It does say who spoke after I speak the words that they spoke. So you, we're not going to know who spoke until after the line is I read? can do it before. <laughs> All Should right. we start with Marcus? <laughs> and for the, has the show started? <laughs> Should we start? Creepy pasta. Okay, so the story begins. Mm-hmm. Hey, have you seen Jason? No. Said a girl. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's true. Hey, have you seen Jason? Said a girl. Uh, why do you want to know where that freak is? Said a boy. Uh, don't call him a freak. That's what the girl said, trying to defend Jason. Uh-huh. And then the boy said this back to her. He said, it's the truth. The kid has an ugly face. He's never going to get any girl with that. <laughs> and, and the boy said that with a grin. <laughs> Meanwhile, at Jason's house. Mom, Jason's house? Yes, we're at Jason's house. Shit. Mom, said Jason. Yes, my dear, said his mother. <laughs> and then he followed that up with, why do all the kids hate me? Aww. Isn't that sad? I didn't think Jason had the the power of speech. I don't uh, think so. Yeah, he does. Well, it's, why do all the kids hate me? You know, it's more like that. But she understands because yeah, 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 she's yeah. his mother. Yes. Okay. And then so he's wondering, why don't, why don't the kids like me? And then this is what his mom had to say in return. She said, Jason, don't say that. They are just jealous of how handsome you are. Oh. That's what his mom said back to him. Kind of a lie, but that's okay. Moms are allowed to lie to their, if it makes their kid feel good. And then Jason said, but mom, we can't even pay our bills. So Jason's concerned. Mm. And then she said, just because we can't pay our bills doesn't mean you can't look great. (laughs) That's true. That is true. Yeah, that's true. true. And then Jason said, yeah, I guess I'll be in my room, mom. (laughs) Okay, Jason, said his mother. And then when she said that, she was smiling. Uh In Jason's room. Picks up brochure. (laughs) Camp Crystal Lake, huh? Sounds kind of fun. He actually says interesting, but I'm going to say sounds kind of fun. Maybe I can make some friends there. He runs back upstairs. Mom! That's what Jason said. Yes, Jason? Look! Mom sees brochure. Uh huh. Camp Crystal Lake, do you want to go there? Said Jason's mother. Do you want to go there? Don't go there. Uh, Camp Crystal Lake, do you want to go there? That's what Jason's mom said. And Jason said, Yes! Okay, Jason, says his mother, still looking at the brochure. But aren't you afraid the kids will make fun of you? And then Jason said, no, maybe some of them will just like me. Okay, I guess, said his mother, unsure. Is this a a screenplay? I don't know. It's a a creepypasta. And then Jason says, thanks, Mom. And then Jason runs around the room. (laughs) So he's just kind of running around there. Circles. Um, How are the commercial auditions going? Real good. Oh, it's almost like I'm so good they don't even call me in anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, he's past this. Okay, so Jason. Okay, so we can't waste him. That's right. So Jason looks at the brochure for Crystal Lake Camp. Crystal Lake. He says, "I want to go." Mom says, "Okay," but the kids may make fun of you. Cut to, he's at Camp Crystal Lake. Okay, now this is said by a lady. Mm -hmm. Okay, so who here is new to Camp Crystal Lake? Everyone raises their hand. So does it say camp counselor or just lady? It says lady. (laughs) And then and then uh, so everyone raises their hand. I'm new. I'm new. I'm new. I'm new. And then, uh, and then they say, I can see why. This place is a dump, <laughs> said some kids whispering to each other. In cabin where Jason sleeps. Cut to in cabin where Jason sleeps. Who do we have here? Looks like another freak, said people who were being harsh on Jason. <laughs> My mother said I'm special, said Jason. 
My mother said I'm special. Will, 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 well, it's kind of a misspelling there. Will your mother, well, your mother, <laughs> it, they, it's, they say wheel, but it is well. Well, yeah. My mother said I'm special. And then they, they respond to that with this. Well, your mother is probably blind. <laughs> Look at you. You'll never be cool like us, you little freak. And then Jason says, shut up. <laughs> I, I just... And then they say, oh, little freak. St- oh, little freak standing up to the big dude I see. Well, let me show you something, you little freak. That's, that boy said that. Mm-hmm. Holds on to Jason's shirt and drags him onto the docks. You got something else you want to say to me? Said the boy. And Jason says, you suck. (laughs) Boy looks around and sees that the counselors aren't looking. Hey, everybody, who wants to drown this little crap? Everyone (laughs) says yes. They call him a little crap. Everyone says yes. Hey, you kid, said the boy who was bullying Jason. Me? Yes, you. Bring me a bag, said the bully. Okay, said the kid. Let's see how you like things over your head, Jason, said the bully. (laughs) Puts the bag over Jason's face. No, said Jason while struggling. Everyone. So this is just the manga version of Friday the 13th Part 2. Not sure what that means, but everyone at one lets all... Everyone at one, let's all push Jason into the water, the bully said. No! Starts counting down. Three. Please, no! Two. No, no. God! Said, said Jason, running out of breath. One. All the kids push Jason into the lake. One year later. They pushed him Jesus. into the lake one year later? No, no. This is cut to one year later. Like when we did our last creepypasta. And then this is, okay, then Jason's mother is talking to the counselors. Why didn't you save my son? Um, and then uh, said Jason's mom running after one of the counselors. And then the woman said, the counselor said, no, please don't kill me. Woman sees axe on ground. Get away from me. Cuts off Jason's mom's head. 12 years later. Cut to 12 God, years later. Jesus. My little boy, his name is Jason, said his mother in Jason's head. And he'll do whatever mother says like a good little boy. Rise, Jason. Whatever happens, you will never die. Fine. Cool. Very good. You put there a lot of more gusto that- into that than I've heard you do anything in a... In a long time. It's my boy Jason. You got to show props. No. But technically, I would say that that is, that is fan fiction. Yes. That's not oh, necessarily that, that is not a creepypasta. That's fan fiction. Well, this episode's about fan fiction, too. <laughs> I guess it is. It can okay. be, obviously, with last time we discovered. Last time I learned all about lemons. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And thank right. God I'm not going to read any of that again. Thank God. That was Man, a good story, though. I like that it. Is a, yeah. It's an interesting story. It's a story we know. Yeah. It's yeah. nice that they shoot you same. Out. It's the same exact story we know, just yeah. with dialogue and yeah. the things that are completely against the character yeah. of the yeah. participants. Sli- slightly worse dialogue than the actual movie, uh, yes. which doesn't really have yes. great dialogue to begin with. But yeah, okay, yes. great. Cool. I like the way great. Kevin Bacon is killed in that movie. Yeah. The arrow through the bed. Always cool. do. I love. I love uh, Friday the Thirteenth. I will always like. I mean, I do connect Jason to you, Kissel. Oh, only, of course. And, only just because of the breathing. 
Oh, <laughs> uh, well, that's true. And the be being bullied because you're big and you want to yes. come back. But wasn't Wait. he tiny when he was? Because every time, no, he should... was still big. I mean, he was big for his age. Okay. Yes, he had, and he had. He, he had probably had Elephant Man. Whatever that is. Elef- uh, the, elephant. He had an elephant man. Yeah, he had he an elephant, elephant man. <laughs> no, what do you I, call the disease with the elephant? His uh, face was all bumpy. Well, it's tumors. He had elephantitis. It's no, elephantitis. Elephantitis is something completely different. No, it's not elephantitis. What is that? No, elephantitis is, is when you got like big parts and right. elephant man had tumors all over his body. Yeah. Yeah. That's why and he then, was all fucked up. Yeah, and then he's like, it is a tumor. <laughs> Gosh, this oh, is Kill funny. me, kill me. Um, <laughs> do you, um, who wants to go next? You know what, Henry? I think you just volunteered. I think you did. Okay. This is a fun, cute story called <laughs> They're Made Out of Meat by Terry Bisson, oh, a okay. science fiction writer. And I thought that this was a cute story. They're made of meat. Meat? Meat. They're made out of meat. Meat? There's no doubt about it. We picked up several from different parts of the planet, took them aboard our recon vessels, and probed them all the way through. They're completely meat. It's impossible. What about the radio signals, the messages to the stars? They use the radio waves to talk, but the signals don't come from them. The signals come from machines. So who made the machines? That's who we want to that's who we want to contact. They made the machines. Huh. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Meat made the machines. That's ridiculous. How is can this like an alien who's on first? Yes. Okay. It is. You're asking me to believe in sentient meat. I'm not asking you. I'm telling you. These creatures are the only sentient race in that sector, and they're made out of meat. Maybe they're like them, the orophili. You know, the carbon-based intelligence that goes through a meat stage. Nope. They're born meat, they die meat. We studied them for several of their lifespans, which didn't take long. Do you have an idea what's the lifespan of meat? Spare me. Okay, well, maybe maybe they're only part meat. You know, like the the weedley. The meat head with an electron plasma brain inside. Nope, we thought of that. So they do have meat hands, like the weedley, but I told you, we probed them. They're meat all the way through. No brain? Oh, there's a brain, all right. It's just that the brain is made out of meat. That's what I've been trying to tell you. So what does the thinking you're not understanding are you? You're refusing to deal with what I'm telling you. The brain does the thinking. The meat. Thinking meat. You're asking me to believe in thinking meat. Yes. Thinking meat. Conscious meat. Loving meat. Dreaming meat. The meat's the whole deal. Are you beginning to get the picture? Or do I have to start all over? Oh my god, you're serious then. They're made out of meat. Thank you. Yes, they are indeed made out of meat, and they've been trying to get in touch with us for almost a hundred of their years. Oh my god. So what does this meat have in mind? First it wants to talk to us, then I imagine it wants to explore the universe, contact other sentients, and swap ideas and information the usual. We're supposed to talk to meat? That's the idea. That's the message they're sending out by radio. Hello, anybody out there, anybody home, that sort of, that sort of thing. They actually do talk then. They use words, ideas, concepts. Oh, yes, except they do it with the fucking meat. <laughs> I thought you just told me they use radio. They do. But do you think it's, what do you think is on the radio? Meat sounds. You know how when they slap, when you slap or you flap meat, it makes a noise? They talk by flapping their meat at each other. They can even sing by squirting air through their meat. <laughs> oh, singing meat. This is altogether too much, so what do you advise? 
Officially or unofficially? Both. Officially, we are required to contact, welcome, and log in any of all sentient, sent, any and all sentient races or multi-beings in the quadrant of the universe, without prejudice, fear, or favor. Unofficially, I advise that we erase the records and forget the whole thing. I was hoping that you'd say that. It seems harsh, but there is a limit. Do we really want to make contact with meat? I agree with 100%. What's there to say? Hello, meat. How's it going? But will, will this work? How many planets are we dealing with here? Just one. They can travel to other planets in special meat containers, but they can't live on them. And being meat, they can only travel through sea space, which limits them to the speed of light and makes the possibility of their ever making contact pretty slim. Infinitesimal, in fact. So we just pretend there's no one home in the universe. That's it. Cruel. But you said it yourself. Who wants to meet meat? And the ones who have been aboard our vessels, the ones you probed, you sure they won't remember? They'll be considered crackpots if they do. We went into their heads and smoothed out their meat so that they're just a, <laughs> a dream to them. A dream to me? How strangely appropriate that we should be a meat dream. <laughs> and we mark the entire sector unoccupied. Good. Agreed. Officially and unofficially. Case closed. Any others? Anyone interesting on that side of the galaxy? Yes, a rather shy but sweet hydrogen core cluster intelligence in a Class 9 star in G445 zone. Was in contact two galactic rotations ago, wants to be friendly again. Well, they always come around. And why not? Imagine how unbearably, how unutterably cold the universe would be if we were all alone. All right! Yeah, I like that! I like that! Meat! 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 Meat. Yeah, That's I like fun. that. And I could it, see that, because you figure they might be kind of a cyborg, maybe a robot type But species. they're made of meat. Well, the we are the meat. Are we the meat? Oh, without We're a doubt. The meat. That's where they're probing us. Oh. Yeah. Yes, and all we just flap our meat. Breath comes through our meat. That's how we make all the sounds. Air comes through the, the meat making song. I thought it was cute. I think that is cute. That is really cute. All right. Kind of scary, too, in a weird kind of clacks our way. I actually thought that they did a good job with encompassing the alien perspective onto us. Got a little popcorn chicken in, in Henry there. <laughs> <laughs> what is, it, popcorn, is it popcorn shrimp Fridays? This <laughs> one's filled with shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. One pound exactly. My sister is the best gift giver I've ever met of any person. It's Jackie Zabrowski. She shops all year thinking about her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it, but guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right, give the moms in your life an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the Aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do. And the memories keep cycling and I get emotional and we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy. And that is not sad. That is celebratory. So you should try it. It's honestly a really good product. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code LEFT at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, 
You can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse pics over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Yeah, we do. Do you love saving money? Oh my God, you bet. Then Philo may be your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. That's amazing. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles. It's just a better way to watch TV. Get with it, people. Philo has an unlimited DVR for one year. Save all your favorite shows you can watch on your own schedule. Philo allows for multiple profiles and multiple streams, meaning that your children or significant other can't ruin your queue. Never miss a minute of shows like, oh, RuPaul's Drag Race. You're going to watch it. You're going to love it. You're going to get involved with it. And it's an extravaganza. You're going to love it. With Philo, you can start watching in seconds for less money and less hassle. Try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash left. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash L-E-F-T to get 50% off your first month. All right, I'm going to hit you guys with a quick one-two punch. All right. Yeah, do it, do it, do it, do it. it. Real quick, couple of them. First one's called Quiet Girl. Ooh, okay. (laughs) Okay. She was always very quiet in the class, Hmm. sitting at one corner, huddled up. No one talked to her, not even teachers. Hmm. Then I realized the girl never existed for decades. Quick, here's the other one. All it's right. called Two Dogs. Okay. My son cried when I killed both of his dogs today. Oh. I didn't tell him why. But last night while he slept, I overheard the dogs talking to each other. Why would you kill those dogs? You sell why? those dogs to tell them. Honestly, I got it. If they are talking, maybe you have to take some executive action. To each other. Uh-huh. Oh, come on, man. I would get. I would ask their thoughts. I would love to hear a dog. I think the movie Up really captured what a dog thinks about. A lot uh, of, they would be prescribed ADHD medication immediately. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, very scary stuff. That is very scary. the first scary. one again, Marcus? Can you read that one again? She was always very quiet in the class, sitting at one corner, huddled up. Hmm. No one talked to her, not even teachers. Right. Then I realized... The girl never existed for... Shut up! (laughs) 
<laughs> oh my god! For, for decades, for de- she never existed for decades. Wow. All right. Well, now this one is a doozy. It says eight minute read. Ooh. So oh that's, we'll, we'll put god, that into the Kissel calculation. That's about a twenty five minute read. That's a twenty five minute read. So, Are you sure you're going to read all all of this? Hey, buddy. On the Patreon, I read a 25-minute story. Wow. Yes, 25 minutes. Uh, This one's called Sleepy Trove. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Have you read this one yet? No. (laughs) No. I don't don't like to read. I like to be surprised with the audience. Oh, okay. Okay. So you Uh, like to be surprised by your own reading. Yeah. Well, that's the point of reading. It hits you. You say it out loud, and then it hits you, but a half second later, too. Mm -hmm. Do you ever guys ever do that thing with your middle of reading where you, like, forget how to read? And then you have to like sit and think about what reading is. Like you can hmm. get caught in a loop. Or Tell is that just the now, are, How much are you microdosing? <laughs> I just. I think you're macrodosing at this point. <laughs> I've been doing it a lot. Sometimes the words will uh, like. I'll be like, why the heck is it spelled like that? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, why? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like knife. Like why? you get caught up on knife. Yeah, knife. Knife was a yeah. That one. There was a word of recently that I was trying to. It was like, what was it? It was chic. You need to get into the study of etymology. What's that? It's the study of the word origins. If there was a person I would volunteer to be a, uh, the, the man who was in charge of the origins of all words, I would choose Kissel. All right. This one's <laughs> called Sleepy Trove. Okay, here it comes. Get ready for it. Sleepy Trove. How well do you trust exits and turnoffs that dot your local interstate highway? Uh I tell this story oh to make God. you reconsider taking such detours. Holy hell, I didn't even realize nothing but trouble. Oh. That's the whole plot. Look at that. We're already there. Okay, so let's restart. <laughs> how the hell, uh, how oh, well man. do you trust the exits and turnoffs that dot your local interstate, hi- interstate highway? I tell this story to make you reconsider taking such detours. Well, driving through heavy rain on the Ohio Turnpike last year, I caught sight of a plane looking sign. I caught sight of a plane looking sign during an upward battle with my eyelids to stay open. <laughs> the word sleep was in the title. After what seemed to be just a few moments later, another brown sign, even rustier than before, came into view. Sleepy Trove Rest Stop, one mile ahead. It read, As I passed this second sign, I felt an intense, numbing feeling drape over my whole body. I was tired, and I couldn't deny it to myself any longer. I swerved and succeeded in pulling off at that exit. For a minute, or more as I followed the dimly lit turnoff, the rain continued to pour down as I told myself I made the right decision. Looking back now, I tell myself that I would have turned off even if the rest stop name hadn't comprised the word sleep in the title. But now, but I'm not convinced of that because not so subliminal advertising works well when you're tired. I think I'm starting to see why this story is eight minutes long. Okay. It's eight minutes <laughs> sleepy, <laughs> sleepy trove. And he's pulling off there. I'm assuming it's a guy. Could be a gal as well. We haven't clarified gender here. Thank you, Sle- Kissel. Sleepy trove rest stop one mile ahead so they pulled over there or he pulled over or she pulled over there because they're tired i had been driving home from college for a weekend break for i knew i needed a lazy weekend getaway and was looking very much forward to my mom's cooking and crashing in my old bedroom but i couldn't help that my thoughts or rather my dreams about my bed seemed to lead me to make a 
seemed to lead me to make my last second decision to pull off the road and follow this strange brown colored sign to Sleepy Trove Rest Stop. Sleepy Trove Rest Stop. Sleepy Trove Rest Stop. Yeah, they pulled over there. <laughs> well, you know, that's what they're really letting you know what's going on there. Thinking about the bed and stuff. Really making sure there's no ambiguity here. Uh, no, yeah. absolutely not. Yeah. But yeah, you know, no, I don't need a mystery. I don't like a mystery. I don't like no. when shows focus on the mystery. I like the I like characters and I like fun scenes. Yep, just just the facts, Max. Please here. Uh, immediately, <laughs> immediately, I wished I hadn't. Oh, so this is kind of a turn in the okay, story. Okay, so here's where it turned. This is where it starts. Immediately, getting... okay. I wish I hadn't. Okay, of course, turn on to the to me, uh, get, to get, the sleepy trove rest stop. Give me the juice. Whew. Instead of the usual Turnpike Service Plaza, there was only a block of restrooms lit solely by my headlights as I parked in front. Mine was the only car to grace the the, the cement structure, which was not too surprising because it was after midnight and maybe the more seasoned travelers had known the lack of Starbucks and McDonald's at the Sleepy Trove. <laughs> The absence of restaurant logos upon the rest stop sign should have been a warning, but as I say, I was tired. <laughs> At first, I was relieved to be alone, but despite feeling so, but despite feeling somewhat safe, I locked my door beca- before reclining my seat. So the door is locked. Feel somewhat safe, but uh, you know, I'll recline my seat here uh, and try to take a little nap. With my vehicle engine off and the rain easing, I could now listen to a paranormal talkback show. I don't know what a talkback show is. I I think it's Coast to Coast AM. It's referred to as a paranormal radio talkback show uh, that seemed to be the only strong signal all night. Besides my circadian rhythm telling me to pass out, that is, the guest on the radio. So, okay. Yeah. So the only strong signal that I besides the radio was the only strong signal besides this person's circadian rhythm telling him to pass out or her to pass out. That is not really a signal. It's not really coming from outside. It is not. It does not matter. Sleepy Trove. (laughs) The guest on the radio program was talking about missing people all over the U.S. and how there were clusters of disappearances near national parks. I turned it off, not because I was getting scared or anything, but because the guest's final conclusion was that the perpetrator was, in fact, Bigfoot. <laughs> ah, very good. Okay, okay, okay. That's starting to c- c- it's cook It's getting up. there. Sleepy Trove coming through. Which he anno- So the, the person's like, it's a Bigfoot, which he annoyingly called Sasquatch to lend undue scientific sounding weight to his premise. Hmm. As the rain dwindled away, the unmistakable heaviness in my bladder became harder and harder to ignore. That beer I shared at my buddy Dave's before I left. Did I write this? <laughs> I think uh, you may have. You may I have. Think this might beer, be a Ben Kissel original. Yeah, beer at Dave's house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that seems to be so. But they shared it, so he's under the. Oh, he's under. He's sober. Okay, technically. Uh, so the rain was dwindling, unmistakable. The bladder is becoming fuller. That beer I shared at my buddy Dave's before I left was no doubt the culprit. The thing was, I didn't even like using those pretty bathrooms at Macy's, let alone this run-down, no-doubt spider-infested trucker's dump. But since the rain had stopped and nobody else was around at the moment, I convinced myself it was was the best time to go. Unlocking my door, I dashed over to the men's entrance. Luckily, a single bulb hanging down from the cobweb ceiling lit the cubed, windowless room. There was an empty energy drink bottle in the in the uh, in the single sink, a discarded hooded raincoat in the corner, and what I hoped was just rainwater soaking the yellow tiled floor. 
As I made use of the stained stainless steel urinal, the heavy downpour of rain began again like applauding angels. The roof Ugh. was bombarded with water, <laughs> and sound reverberated throughout the bathroom. Even through the rain, I could I still couldn't mistake the sound of my car's engine starting up. I zipped up and bolted to the entrance, almost slipping over. Okay, I did slip over, but I stumbled up just in time to see my taillight speed away back towards the interstate before vanishing in the watery curtain of the blasted storm. His car has been stolen. Oh. I stepped back into the restroom, checking my pockets and realizing that I indeed had left the keys in the ignition. Someone must have been waiting in anticipation for me to finally get out of my car. Someone who had obviously got his courage from the energy drink in the sink. I cursed the Bigfoot man on the radio in anger for causing me to leave the keys in the ignition to listen to his dribble. Curse you, Bigfoot man. But soon, but soon relief washed over as I pulled out my cell phone. I would call the police and they would head and they would they could head the thief off with a roadblock and bring my car right back but i was back to but i was back cursing dr sasquatch as soon as i saw there was no reception in the urine soaked hellhole it was then that i was it was then as i was moving about the restroom trying to find a signal that i first saw it well i had of course noticed it earlier the industrial blue hooded rain jacket plopped in the corner had been there all along mm-hmm. but now out of the corner of my eye it shuffled over so slightly i stepped away afraid there was a rat or something inside staring at the half sitting up jacket i realized something about it unnerved me it was sprinkled with water but but was against the far wall where rain couldn't have possibly reached it there was also something else that caused me to shiver. A rusty old chain was attached to the tiled wall, and metal links trailed up the jacket sleeve. At that point, I noticed I had moved all the way to the door. Mm. Eerily, I stared at the strange-looking jacket as the bashing deluge upon the roof almost deafened my ears, and with what my mind began panicking. My heart felt like it was about to leap out of my chest. Having my back already drenched from the downpour, I made the decision to get away and try to find a signal on my phone and to also think clearly away from the noisy ceiling. I first considered heading for the road and trying to flag down a car or truck, but knew they wouldn't see me on the rain-swept road. Instead, I circled back of the, I circled I circled around the back of the restroom block using my phone as a light and uh, light source and constantly checking the bars for reception. I futilely texted a quick reception response a quick message to my friend dave stuck at sleepy trove rest stop stuck at sleepy trove rest stop on turnpike come help is it still raining i don't know i think it's still (laughs) texting dave all right six more minutes all right wait six six more more minutes i don't know six more minutes i don't know all right I was so fixated at seeing a signal icon that my feet almost stepped into a lake that was down a slight hill from the restroom. Looking across the rather large lake, I could see what looked like a little house lit up against the night darkness. After my eyes adjusted, I made out the houses were on an island and they were not houses at all. The lights were coming from one facility. It was a collection of huts and cabins circled by a veranda. Oh, is that where Bigfoot lives? I don't know. Very much like a campground, as there was still no activity on my phone. I followed the lake for a few minutes until coming to... To an ancient half-sunken missing plank wharf there was one corrugated iron sign that when illuminated by my phone read sleepy trove boy scout camp ah okay ah. so now we're at the, we, we were at the sleepy trove rest stop looks, and now we're at the sleepy trove boy scout camp okay it's look, all coming together looks like you got a kind of a theme here yeah yeah pop. a lot of happening here in the sleepy you're, trove you're in deep 
I, yeah, okay. I immediately glanced back over the set of the cabins across the lake, but could see no sign of them anymore. I assumed trees or some other mass were blocking the lights from that position. Walking back the way I had come to recapture the previous view of the faraway campground, I quickly realized that all of the lights must have been turned off. Had they seen me, or was it simply a coincidence? Maybe the lights had been on a timer, or the storm had knocked the power out. As the rain soaked me to the bone, I worried about damaging my phone and hurried back to the restroom block. This time I went into the ladies' room, and to my disappointment, it was no nicer than the men's. I then made a silent prayer to use and enjoy the Macy's bathroom if I ever got out of this place. As I clenched paper towels over my phone to dry it, I thought I saw one reception bar fleet across the screen. I clicked on the connectivity option and was surprised to find a Wi-Fi connection. What is this? What is this shit? I don't do know. With every one of these creepypastas, they add like seven extra words. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Tapping it so quickly that I almost splintered my phone, I joined the free Wi-Fi of Sleepy Trove Boy Scout Camp. Okay. The name unnerved me as by the looks of it that the name unnerved me as by the looks of that wharf. Surely no Boy Scouts had been over that over that little island since the dawn of the Internet. Yeah. Oh, Ain't that right? Okay, he continues. The signal strength was weak, but my phone's search engine, it's longer than I expected. It is. Uh, the Eight minutes is a long time. I guess so. The signal strength was weak, but my, phone, my phone's search engine popped right up. I had never been more curious, and since none of my friends, family, or Dave, I don't know why Dave isn't just one of his friends, but family or Dave would none be none of my Daves. None of his Daves would be on Facebook this early. I typed in Sleepy Trove Boy Scout Camp and words like abandoned, haunted, trespass, disappearances, cults, cryptids, and urban exploration littered webpage descriptions. Because clicking on the links <laughs> failed to I gathered most information from search results. It continues. Sleepy Trove Camp had apparently closed in 1982 after several boys had been violently disassembled by an unidentified hostile force. Okay, they're ghosts and uh, they're ghosts. Where's in the, the sex? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> their ghosts and the unidentified hostile force are said to be uh, are said to badly haunt the area. Right as I read that bit of chilling information, the shared wall with the men's room that I had previously been in began banging. The source of the commotion originated from a rusty square panel about ankle height. Realizing that it was the backing to the chain that was attached to the jacket made me shudder. Mm. Someone or something was yanking on that chain like a game of tug of war. A blood freezing scream then echoed from the neighboring restroom before the banging ended abruptly. I heard someone running outside when the he when the heavy footsteps sounded like they were far enough away. I ventured out of the safe ladies room and headed back to the men's guided only by the light on my trusty phone. I remember passing by a newly arrived car before heading into the bathroom as my perception became a deafening warpy blur. <laughs> as I stepped into the men's bathroom again, I, I, fear of the worst sense of dread rushed over me as I laid eyes on a very dead figure slumped against the urinal. The grotesque, I, twisted body was that of my friend Dave. Dave? Dave. Dave. He's dead. <laughs> It oh, turned no. out he had received my text message after all. His face was contorted in an agonizing explosion of frozen terror. Blood <laughs> now covered the urine-soaked tiles, and the jacket from the corner was now lying discarded by the door, covered in blood and large chunks of brown, dirty hair. Okay, the chain had been ripped out of the wall as well. Whoever or whatever had been trapped there, been but 
had been trapped there, had been awoken, and was now free. The next thing I clearly remember is hearing my screams mixed with the sound of Dave's car horn as my fist beat the steering wheel. I've done a little research since that horrifying night. My car was found just one stop down the turnpike. Traces of similar filthy brown hair were discovered on the driver's seat. The police said they were uh, adult, whereas the hair from the restroom was uh, from a child, both most likely that of a primate. Uh, I let my parents uh, handle. Yes. Uh, I let yes. my parents handle li- liaison with the police after that. I don't know what the lights I saw over at the Sleepy Trove Boy Scout camp that night were, but I often imagined uh, they lived there and uh, traveled to the structures and facilities that dot the <laughs> Jesus mainland. Jesus Christ! To get, to the, get to the point one, of it. One paragraph left. Trespassing on the Boy Scout camp island can bring it, can bring with it a thousand dollar fine, but I wouldn't even go back if they paid me that much. It's not like I could return anyway. The Sleepy Trove exit is gone, and the restroom block has been torn down. Try searching for it online, or heaven forbid, on the turnpike itself, and you won't find any trace of it. But I fear, as we move further and further away from them, they will continue to encroach more and more upon us. So, uh, Sleepy Trove. (laughs) What a long-winded... Mostly story about bathrooms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I Very don't know. Scintillating. I'm just glad they got so many details in there. It had a seven out of seven. That's a seventy-seven. That's a solid C plus. Yeah, Not from who? <laughs> Lost and broken children. I don't know, man. But <laughs> okay, what? A Here tale. we go. This is mine. As soon as your mind registered that you were within the safe confines of the mansion. You stretch up your arms, letting loose a groan of part discomfort and part pleasure. Standing behind you was your longtime master, Slenderman. Ooh. He gazed in your direction, watching your back arch as you stretched, a tugging feeling in his lower stomach burn dully in the tall being. He took notice of your scrapes and bruises, the splotches of dust and mud that scattered your clothes, and even the way your posterior held its firm shape <laughs> from behind the hole in your pants. Huh. A peak of your silky panties oh, tinted him so. I, I do, I, uh, this is not erotica. Oh, it's this not? Is scary. No, no oh, this okay. is scary. Okay. Relaxing from your stretch, you rustled your hands through your hair to get out the tiny sticks and leaves that had become entangled in it. Man, you groaned. I swear those humans are getting tougher to hunt each time we go. <laughs> Slenderman hummed in amusement, <laughs> fighting to keep his mind at least partially out of his fantasy. Are you f- feeling over by our hunts? Wow, Perhaps I did. <laughs> Perhaps I did begin searching for a new proxy. He teased you, uh, knowing that your pride was one of your few weaknesses. Mm. You've been a proxy of Slenderman for several years now, bl- replacing the loss of Maskey and Hoodie after the tra- tragic battle with Tim. I don't. I tried to get into last time what the actual the the world of the world of Slenderman is tedious yes. and long. Right? Do you remember where you were during the tragic battle of Tim? Yeah. I was with my friend Dave. Oh, <laughs> yeah, Dave. Beers. I was like, going to get in my car, but I was like, I got to have a couple beers before I drive. <laughs> After so much time, you had excelled in your skills and impressed Slenderman each day. The two of you even grew close as companions, but you never crossed the line between master and proxy. Hmm? This is scary. This is scary. Got okay. it. It was a shame, really. The only other male you knew was Tiki Toby, but he was already taken. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Okay. 
It just sounds All like you're only like the only Hawaiian guy in town. And he's <laughs> like, can you not call me Tiki Toby? Yeah, hey, it guys. would be just fine. I'm barely Hawaiian. Um, yeah, yeah, I just, I wasn't even born there. I moved there when I was three and I left when right. I was nine. <laughs> All you had left was your master. And somehow he seemed more attractive each time you looked at him. Mm-hmm. Planting your hands firmly on your hips and spinning around on your heel, you puffed at your chest and gawked at Slenderman. It's actually about time they started becoming a challenge. How else am I going to get better at what I do? You winked at your master, then turned back around to head down to the hallway to your room. I need a shower and new clothes, <laughs> you rhetorically announced. You swaggered your shapely buttocks as you walked away, having fun with giving your old master a silly attitude that he found amusing. Ooh, it sounds like Dusty Roads. <laughs> the very thought of your battered skin soaking in warm, soapy water had Slenderman burning from the inside. The waistband of the tall one's pants felt as though they were tightening around his waist. The thoughts of you lathering your body with the sweet-smelling bath soap. He only wished that he were the one to lather you up. So why not make that wish come true? Slenderman loosened the deep red tie around his neck, slipping it off and tossing it to the floor. He began following your trail to your room, hoping to catch you at just the right time. He slowly unbuttoned his suit jacket. Remember, he's in full fucking suit. That's right, yeah. Letting it relax and around his torso and slide casually from his shoulders. All right? Uh Some of your humming drifted from within, tempting Slenderman to just burst in there and take you as you were, but he had a plan. I do like that this is your your erotica is just like all right. So he takes all off right. his jacket, all right. Get it does Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The gentle sensation of unknown things running over your skin sends shivers through you, hardening your small pink nipples almost immediately. This is scary. This sensation was different than the warm water, though. It was running up over your body rather than down. It continued to run its way up your back into your shoulder blades. Before you could move your head forward to inspect what was going on, you found yourself in a passionate kiss from someone much taller than yourself. The water running over your face prevented you from inhaling through your nostrils, thus leaving you incapable of smelling who could possibly be doing this to you. Something strange about that kiss gave away your intruder's identity. However, there was no orifice for you to insert your tongue. All that you kissed was a skillful pair of muscles covered by silky flesh. You eventually placed your hands forward and pushed onto Slenderman's chest so that you could breathe. Your head leaned down so that the water would enter your mouth as you gasped for air. As you wiped away the water that had crawled over your closed eyes, you blinked into focus only to find a massive white appendage staring straight at you. Uh. It had a blue vein spiraling around its Uh. shaft, pulsing with loads of energy. Spiraling? Yeah. Your eyes rose slowly <laughs> under, man. The whole time Slenderman was running his sharp fingers down your sides, continuing down your waist, trailing the curves of your hips, he grabbed a hold of your firm rear. As soon as you made eye contact with his lacking face, you could feel your lower stomach burn with the desire you'd only satisfied on your own. Master, what's gotten into you, you mumbled, not even sure if you cared if he answered. A seductive hum rumbled from within Slenderman's chest, reverberating against your body and hands. You teased me to do this, boy! He cooed, and he rolled his hips against yours, rubbing the incredible length of his member against your throbbing clitoris. A gasp escaped you, the feeling of pleasure. You couldn't help but return the favors you rolled your hips in rhythm to your masters. The grip he had in your butt cheeks tightened, his claws almost digging into your chest, soft, silky tendrils wrapped around your legs and held your upper back against your master. All at once, Slenderman lifted you up and spun you around and pressed you against the shower stall. His tendrils pulled at your lower legs to wrap around Uh. his waist, but you were already moving them away. The feeling of only half 
of Slender Man's rock-hard erection, being squeezed between the lips of your vagina had you bite in your lip for him to actually enter you. Raising your arms to link around your master's neck, you lifted yourself up to get it better, pressing your breasts against Slender Man's firm chest. All right, I think that this needs to come with a caption not to be read out loud by the Polish. (laughs) What are you talking about? (laughs) Some of a clitoris. There's another thing down here. Oh, yeah, I don't think I can make another one. That's after they fucked, because he came all over her belly. Okay. Okay, yeah, and then he said, I don't think I can make another round. You admitted, eyes feeling droopy, even though your master was still playing with your soft chest cushions. Uh. <laughs> oh, man. Slenderman hummed to himself, rumbling against you. What a shame! But I suppose it is a bit unfair to do this directly after a lengthy mission. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And that's it. again. Just you orgasm. Oh, you okay. Here it is. You reached out to pinch your clitoris, knowing you need to catch up with Slenderman so you wouldn't come too much later than he did. Your legs wrapped around his waist, almost as if it were instinct. Slenderman increased the speed of his thrusting, slapping skin against Slend as your your juices leaked out of your vagina. Uh-huh. Well, I just want to I just want to say thank you so much for coming into the meeting here with Showtime. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, we're gonna have to reject this Red Shoe Diary script. Uh, there's let something just like super no, kind of like I think it's called pitch, fucked. Sir. You let me finish my pitch! <laughs> okay, well, please. The warmth of his body quickly returning from the tiring <laughs> weights of your eyelids to which you fluttered in an attempt to stay awake just a little bit longer, and a gentle kiss was planted into the top of your head. The rumbling of your master's voice reverberating all around you as he spoke softly. I do believe we've broken the barrier between master and proxy. <laughs> All to right. this, and you, you let what? out a faint chuckle. You're allowed yeah. to keep the water. You can keep the water. <laughs> Is this free water? That's free for you. Free for you. Just get, get uh, it. Uh, do you validate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Great. Well, that was a that was a good story. I mean, honestly. I there has to be people that were aroused by definition very much so yes I think it could have been hot you know if it was read by like Rhonda from Up All Night yeah on the USA Network back in the day Mm. maybe that could yeah yeah the problem is the only other one I found that was kind of vaguely erotica started with mmm oh oh yeah don't stop mmm I love listening to my brother when he was like this, having a filthy dream. <laughs> All right, well that's fine. Good job. Well, you, you technically, yeah, you chose you chose the right one there. Yeah. The I like Detective just Popcorn about, in the beginning of that one, but because Slenderman has twins that are in there, and it has a whole b- world of stuff of them blowing each other. All the, I can, the boy <laughs> brothers all having sex. I totally get it. When I was growing up, um, oh, uh, Nightmare what? Before Christmas. No, 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 no. A Nightmare Before Christmas. The ladies loved Jack. Yeah. But like oh, really yeah. liked Jack. Yeah, of course. You know, and they were into him. Okay. Yeah, That's he's a goth. He was a goth. He's the ultimate goth BF. Yes, and mm-hmm. that's when that's when my weight issue started. They like him thin, yeah. But now, as you get older, they like him bigger. Well. It's very tough to keep up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my next story is called Peppa Pig, Daddy Pig's Revenge. <laughs> oh, I like uh, it! Yay! I liked Peppa Pig when I was a b- little boy. But what I watched scared the frick out of me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. One time, you only have so much frick in you. So if you get that scared out of you, that's, that's not good. One time, I was going downtown to find some Peppa Pig DVDs. But everywhere I'd go. Yeah. Yeah. Everywhere I'd go, I couldn't find anything. 
I was about to give up and go back home, but I found one more shop. It was Walmart. Oh. But I asked myself, why is Walmart in the United Kingdom? So I took a look, and in there, there was a bunch of DVDs of shows like Pokio, Pingu, Bear in the Big Blue House, oh. Teletubbies, oh. and even Arthur. Oh, I've seen oh, almost good. every episode of those shows, but never seen those episodes on those DVDs. Hmm. So I found a Peppa Pig DVD with two episodes called... Daddy Pig loses the race. I don't like Daddy Pig. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. And Daddy Pig's revenge. Oh, for losing the race, maybe. I decided to buy... <laughs> oh, maybe. Maybe? Maybe. Maybe. I decided to buy the DVD because it was the only Peppa Pig DVD there. Of course. And I got out to buy some Peppa Pig DVDs. Naturally. I put it in my DVD and played all episodes. The beginning of the first one was normal, except in the background, it was nighttime and there was blood on the title. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay. That's a little bit abnormal, yeah. The episode started off with Peppa and her family watching TV, and Daddy Pig said that he wanted... To race in something, the Olympics or something. Hmm. The next day, Daddy Pig was in the race with some people also racing. And then the race started. Daddy Pig was struggling to get first. But then he tripped over and came last place. Uh, And then he lost. Ah, well, yeah. Yeah, sure. Daddy Pig was so sad. Right. So Peppa and her family had to go home. And Daddy Pig and Mummy Pig were in bed. Ooh, Mummy yeah. Pig was asleep, but Daddy Pig was awake. Daddy Pig's always awake. Uh-oh. With hyper-realistic eyes. And he looked very angry. He was mad. Oh, I'm very angry. <laughs> oh, man. You can tell I'm a real-ass pig and I never Angry pig, not good. <laughs> he said, I gotta get revenge on everyone. Yes. They gotta pay for it. All right. Episode ended. Okay. The next episode didn't have an intro. Oh. It started with Daddy Pig going outside and killing everyone. Cool. (laughs) Peppa Pig woke up and saw him kill everyone. Then Peppa Pig screamed silently and ran down to the cellar. Then Daddy Pig went back home and went into Peppa and George's room. And then Daddy Pig holded the axe in the air. Then George woke up and gasped. And then the screen went black. And Daddy Pig chopped him up. And George's crying sounded just like his crying from the episode Lunch. And even Daddy Pig said, Oh, now, now, George. But it sounded like Grandpa Pig. Huh. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> After that. Grandpa Pig. Yes. <laughs> After that, the screen went back to normal, and Daddy Pig killed Mummy Pig. Then he got a grenade and threw it at Susie's sheep house and the school. And after that, Peppa Pig got out of the cellar and called the cops about Daddy Pig. Wait, huh? he had a grenade? <laughs> Pigs can't have grenades. They got no. They got no fingers. Can't use them. Well, after, well, Mrs. Rabbit tried to get Daddy Pig, but she got chopped up to pieces too. Hmm. And after that, everyone in Peppa Pig land including Peppa, tried to stop him, but he had an RPG and shouted at everyone, including Peppa. And Daddy Pig said to the screen with hyper-realistic eyes that were bleeding, You humans, I will kill all of you! You made me lose! And you made me do this! (laughs) Oh, man. Just let Peppa Pig win. I wish this was fucking real. Yeah. (laughs) The episode ended. Oh. Oh. 
I was so scared that I got nightmares about these episodes. Of I course. tried telling some of my friends, but nobody believed me except my best friend. Dave? No. Okay. <laughs> no. I showed him. No. I showed him the DVD, and he got scared also. But I am beware, because Daddy Pig is somewhere. Wow. Interesting. Wow. That is horrifying. With Honestly, the grenade, that would be cool. That would be cool as shit. I would I wonder, love to have seen that show. Now, how fast are the pigs, though? Could a pig beat a person in a race? Oh. I don't know. I feel like pigs are pretty fast. I think a person could beat a pig in a race pretty easily. Well, people have two legs. I feel like I could beat most pigs. I don't know, man. What's the average? Marcus, yeah, let's do. I want to find the average speed of a nice hog. I bet you they can go 20 miles an hour. 11 miles an hour. 11 miles an hour. Hmm. Average. Let's see average speed of a human. That's fun. Four legs versus two legs. That makes a lot of sense. See, our average speed is 28 miles per hour. We are quite faster. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's the, oh, no, 28 that's miles maximum. per hour. Oh, that's maximum. That's, that's, maximum. Maximum. that's maximum. Stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's what, maximum. Yeah. What is the average sprint speed? Say Polish of a Polish person. Okay. Average sprint speed, five foot six, man. 170 pounds. <laughs> well, the fastest among us can sprint at a speed of 15.9 miles per hour for about 13 to 12 seconds. Cool. Okay. Usually, uh, it's about six miles per hour. Oh, there you go. So a pig could win. But that might be the maximum. No, That's actually, a lot of math. Nah, bad, but but actually, pigs average 11 miles per hour. So I think, yeah, pig could beat us. Pig could pig's, beat us. Pig's hard to beat. I don't know if any of us here could beat a pig. I do not want to try. I don't think so. But a part of it is that because you're racing a pig and not a person, you can like hit the pig with the wrench first. <laughs> that's true. And then that's- go. Because that's, I don't know, is that illegal? I guess that is animal abuse. It depends if it's pig refs or human refs. Yeah, that is true. Yep, that true. is very true. But I mean, pig I, law I, or human law. Because yeah. pig law is severe. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. I, I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine, and it's an addiction. And it's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins. As soon as I wake up, and a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod. No matter what kind of work you do, how you communicate is key. All those emails, reports, and presentations are equally important to the collaboration needed to get things done. Grammarly can help. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact at work. And isn't that what matters most? Better writing means a stronger impact. 
And Grammarly works across 500,000 apps and websites. You can't escape it. Like the ever-pervasing octopus of malice that is the NSA. Grammarly is watching your every move, making sure that you're doing it right. Data privacy and security are woven into the foundation of Grammarly, into the very essence of its nature. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner, and it helps your team make their point and move faster, because that's the key there. Work smarter, not harder. Yes, Grammarly, you know how many times it saves me from writing a long, rambling, one-sentence email at four o'clock in the morning to my beloved employees? Makes me sound like someone who doesn't just have a BA in theater. All right. I was taught how to be a tree. I was not taught how to survive as an adult. All right. My job was to cry in front of a weird Southern man who just told me all sorts of weird stuff about my body. I didn't learn how to write. So thank you, Grammarly, because you're making me the boss I gotta be. To motivate my team to get out there. Oh, man, you don't want to mess with them. Thanks, Grammarly. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free. Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. That's one of my favorite things about it. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. Now, personally, I'm in the middle of re-landscaping my yard. I like to do it myself because I called up a landscaper to see how much it costs and it was absolutely insane. Plus, I love dirt. I love getting my hands in the dirt and I love planting things myself. And Fast Growing Trees has given me some wonderful plants that I can use. Like I got this uh, Texas sage, purple. I've dug up a whole bunch of horrible bushes and shrubs up in front of my window and in front of my house and put some purple Texas sage up there and it's going to thrive and it's going to look real good. And I don't even have to go to a nursery to buy it. It came to my house. Now, this spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. All right. Well, I have one more. Um, should I read this one now? How many more do you have, Marcus? I've got I I got one more to read. And Henry, you got one more also. I have one more. Here we go. Well, it's another day out from the office, my friend. <laughs> Dick Cheney said as he packed up his portfolio <laughs> and headed out from the Oval Office. He was a son of a former president, and he was in the first few days of his job. Well, Dick, I'm going to go home with my family. I'll see you tomorrow at 5 for Bible study, Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice said <laughs> as she went out from the White House. <laughs> Cheney couldn't help but smile at her upbeat moments. 
It was hard to get the Secretary of State to laugh because she was such a serious person. Dick headed out from the office to his private quarters. He couldn't wait to see his wife, Lynn, and spend the night in her arms. He was excited as a kid who got a new toy for Christmas. He then went down the corridor of the West Wing. It was so quiet, you could hear a pin drop. All of the workers, except the staff that managed the household, had went home, so the West Wing was vaguely empty. Another day, another... Cheney was cut short by a clatter that arose from the office next to his door. Who's there? <laughs> he asked. No answer. He then kept on walking. The clatter sounded again, like in the Santa story the night before Christmas. Oh, yeah, that's right. What the heck? He asked. No answer. It came from the office of his chief of staff, so it was a natural person. He went to check it out. He went to the office and saw nothing. I don't know what that means. I don't a know what natural that means. Just a natural person? Just Dick Cheney a being natural a natural person. person. Yeah. I must be hearing things, he said to himself. Dick Cheney neglected to hear someone coming up from behind him, and the last thing he remembered was a blow and a bag being put over his head. Dick Cheney woke up in a dark room and then took in his surroundings. The whole room was dark except for a single light bulb hung from the ceiling. He was lying on a table, face down, and he tried to move, and he couldn't. Dick looked down and realized to his shame that he was naked on the table, bearing it all. He felt a deep tugging on his balls, and he saw that they were tied to a pulley with a ball attached to the end of the rope. <laughs> he then looked up and saw that his wrists were tied behind his back, and then he oh. moved his legs, and he found out they were shackled to the table. He heard a cackle and stirred in his sleep, and then he heard the cackle in the room. Well, hello, Dick. Cheney tensed at the voice. It sounded so familiar. It's so foreign at the same time. A dark figure emerged from the shadows. He was clad in a hood and a robe, and he looked to be non-human. Let me go, he Dick said as he tried to wrestle his way free from the ropes holding him, but to no avail. It's no use, Mr. Vice President. You're stuck here. The figure pulled off the hood and the cloak, and Dick couldn't help but stare in horror. The man was well known for being a womanizing cheat, yet it never occurred to Dick that he'd be interested in guys, too. Bill! Dick rasped, please! Let me go! Dick asked pleadingly. Oh, I'll let you go. As soon as I have to get my way with you, I'm gonna have fun with you, Dick Cheney. Bill then took off the rope and dropped it to the and dropped to the floor. Bill was naked and standing full frontal to Dick Cheney. Are you familiar with cock and ball torture, Cheney? <laughs> Cheney tense at this. You think I'll be your plaything, you sick fuck? How dare you? Bill smiled and then he grabbed the rope connecting to Cheney's balls to the weight and pulled it swiftly. Cheney almost had to bite down in order to avoid screaming from the pain. Better. Bill then circled around Cheney and then gave Cheney's cock a couple of light flicks. Not, not enough to hurt, but to spread, but to register discomfort. <laughs> now, you little man whore, I'm going to ride you like I do with women. Bill then climbed up onto the table and spread Cheney's buttocks apart. Oh, Cheney winced and he felt cocks, Bill's cock inside of him penetrating him and touching all the inner wokings of his body. Oh, Bill's cock God. hit on Cheney's prostate. Everyone's oh, surprised. Bam! No. Bam! 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 Causing Cheney arousal yet pain at the same time. You like that, huh? Bill said while 
picking up his thrusts. Cheney was cursing under his breath and rousing for allowing himself to be treated in this way. <laughs> Bill had not used lubricant, so the penetration was painful on Cheney. Cheney thought about throwing Bill off of him, but he was tied to the table and he wouldn't last long in a fight with the former president. He wasn't exactly a young man anymore. Bill then moaned in pleasure and Cheney felt his own cock stiffening. He couldn't help but feel his heart turn inside his chest, but whatever he liked or not, he was getting a degree of enjoyment from this. Bill then started to reach down near Dick's groin and rub on it directly. Cheney felt violated in ways that one could never imagine, and the fact that the very man from his opposing party was doing this to him made him sick to his stomach. <laughs> there, there, boy. <laughs> Bill then reached for a key and leaned down to unlock the shackle holding his conquest feet. Cheney promptly felt himself being turned over. I want to suck your dick, and I'm going to give you a good blowjob like you've never had before. Oh, Bill God. reached down and started sucking on Cheney's cock, taking it in his entire length and going up and down. Cheney vowed to himself that he would give Bill a mouthful of semen. <laughs> Bill wow. made sucking noises with his mouth and he lightly licked the head of Cheney's cock that sunned into waves of arousal. Both men were caught in the bliss of having sex and Cheney was almost about to climax. Soon the vice president ejaculated his seed onto the former president's mouth. <sighs> Bill lapped up every single drop of it and he left some of his saliva on Cheney's cock and then he went up to kiss Cheney and Cheney pulled away, but Bill's fingers tangled in some of his hair, forcing him to stay in the kiss. Bill was very perverted, and Cheney was disgusted that he was forced to do this. He was not gay, but the <laughs> encounter was enough to get him aroused, and the mere thought of having sex with a man made him, made him fucking come. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bill wasn't done yet. He then wet one of his fingers and slightly traced it down Cheney's back and slipped it into the man, added another finger as he went. Cheney moaned, and his body tensed. <laughs> you liked it, didn't you? You liked it, didn't you, Cheney? Bill asked in a seductive purr. Go fuck yourself, you dirty pig. <laughs> <laughs> well, why should I if you're already here? <laughs> Bill cackled at his own joke. Bill then went over the table and cut his bonds loose. Cheney found his clothes scattered all over the room, and Bill started to redress. Uh, he then sped down to the Blair house. He then promptly locked the door and stripped down naked, threw the clothes at the fireplace, and then rested on his bed. He was so tired, he drifted off to sleep. <laughs> wow, that is... Who knew that George W. Bush was writing creepypastas? Or hardcore <laughs> fantasy political erotica? God, wow, just Cheney. Right. Oh. <sighs> this has been a strange creepypasta episode, I have to say. It's really strange. All right, well, yeah. I'll, I'll end on a... This is a classic. Okay, this is a classic. This is a, this is a classic right here. A couple came back from a night out to find that their house had been broken into and nearly everything was stolen. Their television, gone. Computer, gone. Silverware, dishes, clothes, jewelry, all gone. Just hmm. a few pieces of furniture, their toothbrushes, a can opener, some candles, and a disposable camera were left behind. They called the police, filed a report, then went on with their lives while they waited in the vain hope that they'd get some of their stuff back. Weeks later, the wife took the disposable camera to the local pharmacy to get the film developed. When she picked the pictures up the next day, she found photos of the burglars facing away from the camera, sticking the toothbrushes up their butts. <laughs> no! My God, yeah, that's an old urban legend. I love that. Oh, one. that's a classic. <laughs> wow. Well, you know, thank it's you fun. all so much for going on this journey with us. <laughs> what these episodes are becoming are like a search into the internet, 
like as as it is as right. it stands. Yeah, um, yeah. And, it, and it's that. There's yep. a lot of stuff in there. Yeah, I was happy. I actually, Henry, I think you're right. If you listen, I think this is our 14th creepy pasta, maybe. maybe 13th. I think really, if you do listen to all of them from beginning to end, you can really see the uh, the downfall of the internet. Yeah, like you can see it from like you can see like at the beginning. It's like really creative, right. fun stuff. People doing something cool, and then you know now it's. Uh, you know, Dick Cheney, Bill Clinton, slash Vic. I am kind of interested, though, that, <laughs> to mankind, Mick Foley. That's kind of yeah. You think about progress, but in re- in reality, there is also a regress. Yeah. Uh, and I think we might be in a more of a regression than but a progression. Sometimes phase. you have to go backwards to go forwards. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Absolutely. Like Not those in little this cars. Case. Remember those cars on the little zip mat? Yeah. Yeah. You had to go backwards <laughs> to go forward. Yeah. Right now we're winding up, and then we're gonna go. <laughs> at some point, we're gonna go loop and loop. Have a little fun. Maybe we just need to. Maybe the next episode is we need to write our own. Maybe hmm. we need to create our own. Oh my gosh! Well, that's. Them. I'm. I am willing to write upwards uh, of one creepy pasta. I could maybe write a uh, creepy pasta. Guess what? They'll be short. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening. I know this was this was just kind of a fun um, episode, to sort of a palate cleanser. The yeah. uh, the uh, the the ginger in the sushi with the wasabi. This it, was a little ginger for you, exactly. uh, and I well, hope we you have enjoyed a, it. We have a huge episode coming up next week that you will see that the prep for it will warrant this break in our heavy research yeah uh and i think you'll be pleased by the nature of the episode absolutely Um, i know that i will be learning quite a bit because it's a foreign topic to me all right (laughs) um all right everyone well thank you so much for giving to our patreon without you none of this is possible uh make sure if you if you do give henry and i make sure you check out all the uh the interviews that henry and i have been doing they're extremely fun also uh i do have some creepypastas on there and henry has a couple of different uh character pieces that he's done as well so thank you so much for listening to those and uh and for giving to our patreon Yes, indeed. Uh, let's see. What yes. else do we, do we have? Anything else? We have. Do we have any shows? We got the Comic Con in San Diego. Oh yeah, we uh, just announced. By the time this episode is out, we will. Uh, they, t- ep- tickets might still be on sale. Uh, we're doing a show in San Diego during Comic Con. Yep. Uh, so if you're going to be going to Comic Con, we're going to be doing a huge show there. Or if you just live in the San Diego area, uh, you can uh, find, just Google those tickets uh, or go to lastpodcastontheleft.com to uh, find find all the links. Thanks for that. Yes. And we're uh, also we're announcing a ton of new shows for the summer. Uh, I think we're going to be announcing three more here, uh, maybe four more here. Very Live shows. Soon. Live shows. All right. Yes. And check out yeah, our new podcast. Speaking of new shows, we've got a new podcast here, Danny and Mike, uh, The Adventure. They were Pete and Pete. You know them from uh, the old Nickelodeon show there. they got a podcast, and that's new here to the network. So. The Adventures of Danny and Mike. Yes. There it is. So check yep, that show out. It was an out. older show. Their show's been around, but that, now they're with us. It's yep. fucking awesome. Very yeah, excited awesome. to hear their new episodes. And thanks for supporting all the shows here on the last podcast. Podcast Network, Top Half for Politics, page seven. You know where you just peruse around the site and you'll find something you'll oh, like. Oh, there. Um, all right. Anything else, Henry? Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Henry Loves You at Marcus Parks at Ben Kissel. Follow us on Instagram at Dr. Ben Tasty at Marcus Parks at Ben Kissel, the number one. And follow Last Podcast and Left on all of the different forms of horseshit that make you upset at LP on the web. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everyone. Hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Hail Gein. Hail me, please. And the Magustalations, one and all. Hello, 
As a bonus for this episode, we're also going to be including a story that I read for the last podcast network show, The Story Must Be Told. Of course, this show can be found at lastpodcastnetwork.com slash shows. So if you dig this, the production, the reading, the writing, all that type of stuff, be sure to go check this show out. Uh, here it is. Hope you enjoy. A reading from the book of Aimless Sons and Thoughtful Boys, titled The Bear Musician. hobbled off the ferry onto dry ground. He carried a small box with his only possessions, a pencil, naturalization documents, a pair of socks, and a faded picture of his mother. He limped away from the boat, set his box on the wet ground, and sat. And the gutters, rotting food waste, horseshit, piss, and dead vermin floated in standing water. The overwhelming stench put a pause on his hunger and silenced the rattling between his meatless ribs. Bruno's mouth went dry and his tongue swelled, heaving him forward to vomit. He retched without purchase. It was morning and the city was spinning. A traffic cop failed to direct traffic. Carriages charged by with abandon. One took a corner too fast, tilting on two wheels, hopped up a curb and ran over the back legs of a dog. The dog crawled into a gutter and out of view. Outside a pub, two men with cartoonishly large hands swung at each other, delivering blow after blow, and neither fell down. Prostitutes, woozy from drink, swayed on corners looking for an early morning john. Cholera ravaged the ship two months into the journey. Most died. Bruno and his mother arrived at Ellis Island, hungry and dehydrated, along with one-fourth of the ship's manifest. One night, while in quarantine, he laid in bed next to her as she coughed through the night. When he awoke, there was a mist of blood on her pillow, and her eyes were open with a milky film over her once bright green eyes. She had seen death, and he had taken her. Three months later, the nearly 14-year-old Bruno sat at the tip of America's most infamous island and shook with fear. A group of women in maroon dresses approached Bruno with a slice of bread and a paper pamphlet covered in words he didn't understand, although he did recognize the Christian cross on the first page. As one of the women spoke to him in a strange language, he unfolded the pamphlet and used it as a napkin while he ate the bread. Furious at his sacrilege, the woman pulled the pamphlet and the bread from his hands and delivered a cracking slap across his cheekbone. His ears rang, and his eyes swelled as she stormed away. Bruno held his face and clenched his teeth as he waited for his eyes to stop watering. When his vision cleared, a man stood before him. The man whistled confidently with his hands in the pockets of a fashionable khaki suit, topped with a matching hat decorated with a duck feather. The man smiled at Bruno with only his upper lip. At last! Bruno. The stranger leaned forward and patted Bruno on the head. Bruno leaned back suspiciously. He spoke Bruno's language in an accent he couldn't recognize. His posture was unsettling, and his familiarity even more so. Oh, you don't have to worry. Your mother made all the arrangements before she... The man paused dramatically and looked at his dazzling, polished shoes. Passed from this world. After spending half a year with some truly low men, Bruno had learned how to spot a confidence man from a mile away. He was one of them. You can trust me, Bruno, 
He smiled, flashing innumerable large teeth. And tell me my mother's name, Bruno commanded in a voice comically serious for such a young man. Juna Schultz, the stranger responded happily, followed by a forced frown, and... May God rest her soul. Bruno's suspicion waned, and the stranger leaned forward. I know an excellent restaurant a few blocks from here. Come, young Bruno. It's all been arranged. Slowly, Bruno rose to his feet. The stranger held a hand to help steady him, but Bruno refused. He picked up his box, saddled it under his arm, and stood facing the stranger. Tell me your name, Bruno commanded. You'll simply love this restaurant, young Bruno. It's like nothing you've seen before. I hope you brought your appetite. Man laughed. He set out ahead of Bruno and zigzagged down the sidewalk, nearly out of sight. Bruno hobbled after him, slow to keep up, struggling under the weight of his box, his only possession. Bruno had indeed never seen such a spread of food before. He ate until he felt the food packing up to the top of his throat, and then ate more. All the while, the stranger picked on a single beef rib, eating slowly and methodically. Few words were spoken between them, and any question Bruno asked was ignored or dodged by the man. Outside the restaurant, Bruno was sluggish and exhausted from the feast. Thank you, Bruno croaked. The stranger turned to Bruno, his face set in an unnerving grin. His cheekbones were high, smiling without his eyes. Of course, young Bruno, I have more to show you still. Again, the stranger leapt away from Bruno, who struggled to keep up. They weaved around hurrying businessmen. Bruno couldn't help but bump into them, for his eyes were fixed on the towering buildings above. They were a few blocks away from the restaurant when Bruno stopped dead. My box! Bruno yelped. He turned around to head back, and the stranger didn't follow. Come, I need it! He shouted. The stranger didn't move. He shouted again to no response. Curse you! Bruno yelled at the stranger. At this, the stranger laughed like a madman. Bruno huffed and went the other way down the street, but this street was not the street he had been on just moments ago. The buildings were smaller, two stories tall at the most. No one walked the sidewalks, and the streets were much narrower. He could hear the clopping of a horse in the distance, but could not see it. Scared, Bruno turned back to see the stranger, and that end of the street had also changed. What moments before looked like the throbbing heart of a cosmopolis was now sparse. In the distance, the cobblestone road turned into dirt, wandering off into a country road on the horizon. The sun began retreating under the shingled roofs of the lonely storefronts. And a single candle burned in the windows on the streets, save for a single house. Bruno approached it. Above the door was wood lettering that spelled restaurant in Bruno's language. Desperate for help, he opened the massive door. It painfully screeched on its hinges. The hallway was completely dark. It smelled like rotting newspaper. Hello? Bruno shouted into the darkness. His voice was muffled, as if he were surrounded on all sides by heavy curtains. Thrown into panic, he turned around to feel for the door and found nothing. He moved forward with his hands out and his heart racing. Staggering in the dark, Bruno made a step, but his foot found no floor. He hurtled forward and fell down an invisible staircase. His elbow cracked on a stair, and he screamed, 
only to be cut short by falling to a stop face first on cold ground. The pain danced over him while he collected himself. When he opened his eyes, he saw a dim light coming from a crack between curtains. He limped through them and entered a dimly lit red room with velvet walls and empty tables with candles burning. On one of the tables sat his box. Bruno wobbled to the table to collect it. He sat and rested his head on the polished oak while he felt a hand on his shoulder. It was the stranger. Bruno gasped. The stranger stared through him with jet black eyes and smiled. His mouth was filled with millions of sharp teeth, row after row disappearing to the back of his mouth. The dance, the stranger hissed. At that, the lights went out. Through the curtains ambled out a big brown bear in a vest wearing a fez. The trained bear sat on a stool and spun the arm of a sound box. It squeaked with a rusty whine, made a chilling plucking noise like a broken piano. The curtains behind the bear waved, and out came a woman in a burlesque dress. She swayed from side to side, her face white like a doll's, and eyes vacant. Bruno froze with boiling fear. It was his mother. The stranger clapped and danced, hooting and spinning to the deathly tune the bear played. Bruno tried to scream, but could not. His mother approached his table and pulled herself up, dancing and kicking. Bruno grabbed onto the bottom of her dress and screamed, Mama! Mama! He shouted. She didn't look down, nor did she stop dancing. Mama! Mama, listen to me! He shouted, pleading with the automaton. She danced and danced as the stranger spun in circles around Bruno. Bruno's box began to smolder on the table, quickly igniting in flames. It burned with tongues of fire, shooting to the ceiling, but did not consume the table, nor the room. Dance! 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 The stranger commanded. Bruno didn't move. Dance. His mother croaked, staring at nothing. Bruno wept. The stranger grabbed Bruno by the armpits and set him on the table. He wrapped Bruno's arms around his mother's waist. Her dress was freezing and soaking wet. He tried to pull his hands free, but they were stuck to a noxious slime that coated her. Dance! The stranger screamed. He spun in circles, clapping as the bear played the sound box hypnotically. Bruno wept insanely, holding on to his mother. She spun and kicked and danced as he slid to her feet. The stranger spun in circles like a demented ballerina. Bruno's mother kicked and held up her skirt. He collapsed on the table, screaming and begging for it to end. Bruno felt fingers dig into his collarbone. He yelped and snapped his head back. There was the stranger, sneering at him with implacable menace. Dance, he commanded, his infinite rows of teeth glistening in his mouth. Dance, dance, dance! Bruno raised his feet and swayed with his mother while the stranger cackled. His hands began to freeze on his mother's hips and he could not let go. They turned purple with cold and his fingernails mutated black. The stranger clapped wildly, knocking over chairs and screaming like a madman as Bruno danced. The dance would last forever. The story must be... For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. 
Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff, like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's Omri certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow.